Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hey, what's up, guys? It's Mike Lynch. What's going on? This is Rashad. This is the Sports Sunday Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. It is now brought to you on the fan by your local Les Schwab Tire Centers. Doing the right thing since 1952. Weekend sports with a difference. Yeah, really shouldn't be drinking. Oh, really? You learned that in med school that you obviously didn't get into? A look at the weekend in sports with the inside story on the Blazers, the Ducks, and the Beavers. This is Sports Sunday with Mike Lynch. At least I have my own bed. Your bed is a car. Yeah, but it's a sweet car. And Rashad Taylor. He's a very gifted singer. I'm really, really good. How good? I've been called the songbird of my generation. Stop. By people who've heard me. That good. On 1080 The Fan. Hey, good morning, Portland, Oregon. Well, fair morning, I should say, man. Just because for us here at The Fan, the morning didn't start on on an awesome note. Number one, man, Lynch is gone. Lynch is in BC, I think. Or maybe he just got back from Canada with uh, his lovely wife's parents. And, you know, I think his parents might have gone as well. I'm not exactly sure. But I know he's gone. And usually he's the one that lets me know, hey, man, there's some there's some stuff going on, you know, right here on the street, right before you turn to the, to the van. So just be prepared. Just kind of get here a little early or something like that. So apparently uh, the, what's it called? The, the PDX pedal? The Portland Bridge the, the, pedal. The Portland Bridge pedal is happening. And I was a little late. And a little frustrated. Um, number one, because I have a, we have a guest joining us, and I didn't want him to be in a situation to where, man, maybe he was late on his first day. So I called my guy Tyler Lively. How you doing, my dude? I'm good, my friend. Man, great you? to see you, man. So I, I had to hit you early just to make sure that, hey, bro, there's some stuff going on, on the bridge. I'm not exactly sure what, but it's, you know, kind of causing a little bit of additional traffic, man. So uh, they weren't letting me over. They, I, I got here initially, and the police officer, and it happens every year. And I don't know why we 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 end up frustrated because we know they're gonna, you know, not let us through. But every single year they do this, and we're like, hey, I work right there at Intercom, right there at the fan. Can you let us through? And the police officer was not hearing anything I was saying and told me to kind of keep it moving. So that got me stuck in traffic for about fifteen additional minutes, but going, you know, nowhere, trying to go straight, trying to find a place to turn. Finally found a place to turn uh, and uh, got here pretty quick. But the whole waiting part is initially pretty bad. I got over in probably three minutes. I rolled the window down and I was like, sir, I've got to be on the radio. And he's like, all right. And he literally stopped the bikers. Jesse, did that happen for you? Let's see here. Uh, first uh, police officer that I was like, hey, bro, if I don't get there, like stations going off air. He's like, whoa, whoa, I don't have to let you through. And then it was like, I'm sorry. I'm, and he's like, no, no. And I was like, okay. And this is down on NATO because I'm trying to get in off of NATO through the back way into the Southwest because apparently the bikers in this city are so important. We're going to just literally 
cut off an entire section of our city forum that people live in and work in and can't get to so people can well, ride their, their the bikes bikers are bridges. The bikers are incredibly so, important. So, yeah, the next cop they I They built a whole bridge to, for, the, for the bikers, actually, here yeah. in Portland. You know, and it's not far from where we are right here at the fan. There's a whole bridge that's right over there that's just built for the bikers for and the, the bikers walkers. And, and the, so they got a, the max train. All over the other bridges and everything. And, and, and the second cop made me drive all the way back around. And that's where... Um, it was just it turned into this big cluster of cars that weren't going anywhere and so it took me another 20 minutes to go all the way back around so i can sit in the intersection and hold up everybody because they wouldn't let me through again even though he said he'd let me through so it took another five minutes of just nobody going anywhere because i was like i gotta get through so i apologize for anybody who might have been behind me but the station was literally going to go off air so and sorry about the uh kind of short update as well no man you know it happens and to be real there's not a whole lot of stuff going you know going on there is a little bit of reaching not you know you know it's just kind of one of those things but uh luckily i'm not doing the show on my own again uh my guy mr tyler lively from uh national scouting report man he decided to come in and hang out now mind you we're like mutual friends like i mean yeah. i know we've met a we've met a few times but yeah. it was one of those things like man you know some of the homies that i know and they kind of decided man we should we should link at some point man so i'm excited for you to be able to come in and 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 do this for a little bit the last time i actually saw you was at the uh the hoop summit it, yep and That's- i got a beer that i couldn't necessarily drink because i was still on air and it was like, uh, I was looking at it the entire time, and it looked awesome. And I wanted to go ahead and knock that down. But I kind of had to wait till after the show, so I never actually got to tell you, man, thank you hey, for the beer. You I, know mean, what I mean, uh, I was buying one. Figured you would want one. So. Absolutely, I would want one. But it, it was it was crazy because Swag kind of looked at me like, you know, you're not going to drink that on the air. I was like, well, obviously I'm not going to drink it now, Swag. But I looked at it, and I couldn't wait. As soon as the game was over, that was down uh Pretty quickly. He even looked at me funny. He's like, "What are you doing?" No, I could, I could, I could, I could totally imagine, man. So, I shout out to my guy Swag. But, uh, man, I, I, I appreciate you coming on, man. I, I wanted to ask a, a couple questions. So, yeah, you know, we talk a lot, really, when you and I have interactions on social media. You know, it's typically over. At first, it was like you know high school sports and talking right, about right. certain guys, certain kids to get you know kind of recruited from here in town. We and we're going to talk a little bit about Oregon and Oregon State. You know, here within the hour. Um, but I wanted to ask, man, I've always been so curious, especially over the last little bit. We've seen a lot of our state schools kind of go the opposite route as far as recruiting their in-state kids. Like, so you look at schools like U of O and Oregon State, and you don't see very many offers for the kids here in Oregon that are, you know, end up being first team, second team, some of those things like that. It, what's the is there a certain stigma about kids that come from Portland spe- specifically if you come from north northeast kind of southeast Portland about you know being recruited and playing for one of these kind of national uh, I don't call them powers because that's not what Oregon State is now but still one of the blue bloods especially in Pac-12. I, I don't know if there's a stigma to it but I think there's definitely a uh, uh, level that of play and especially in the PIO when it comes to to football specifically. Um, where it's not on on par with with the Clackamases, the Lake Oswego's, uh, um, the Tualatins, Tigers, uh, face any any school in this in the suburbs, and also uh, just just the amount of eyeballs that are on PIL schools, completely different than when you get out of out of the tent. Well, it's it's weird because you know not even just talking like PIL. You know there were certain guys that 
have played for Clackamas and played for certain schools that, man, damn, he's not getting recruited by Oregon State and he's not being recruited by, you know, U of O, at, v- at the very least by, you know, by the Vikings. So it, it just seems kind of weird. I'm just curious if maybe coaches honestly think that kids from California and Washington are just flat out better than the kids here in Oregon. Personally, with my my own eyeballs, uh, they are. They are better. Um now, not not all of them. There's a handful of, of athletes that are phenomenal here. Um, but a lot of times what I've run into doing um, my scouting and things like that is there's a lot of parents that have no idea how to go about getting their kid recruited, let alone getting an NCAA number. Yeah, that that that's so key. It, um, it, it basically is on the coaches to, to get your kids there. Um, and then by the time you get there, like at the at the high school level, you're almost a little bit too too little too late in, right. in that respect. And it really is about kind of you really have that vision for your kid. You need to start them in middle school or even I mean, depending on the sport earlier than that. Um, I I know I played more obscure sports and it still was too little too late by the time I found the path because I relied too much on my high school coaches to, to show me the path where in reality that, that was they that's not what their job was their job was to just win games for the high school not not to get you where you wanted to go yeah I mean if you rely just solely on the coaching and and maybe some of the parents to help you out that's gonna be tough because some of the parents are gonna look out for their own children and the coaches can't do all 50 some odd players on a football team and Let's be honest, not all 50 are going to make it to the next level. So No, no. And I'm, that's why I'm always so curious, you know, just because I played for really good football teams in high school. Uh, I played for teams that were awful, you know, while I was in, in high school. And the one difference I can always tell is coaching. You know, when you have a, a great coach, uh, things are a little bit different for you. They can take talented players and make them great players and great players and make them phenomenal players. And uh, that kind of happens. So, Nowadays, you know, we live in this day where a lot of kids are almost kind of on like an AAU circuit to where they can play seven on seven and do some other things and kind of get their names out there. Is coaching still the the the, the top priority in successful high school football here? Uh, I, I think coaching in general, whether it's basketball or football, you, you look at it and... Because you can win with talented players oh, and not oh, have 100%. great coaching. Yeah, 100%. But there's there's times where you have those fringe players where like all right just a little extra coaching they're over the top and then they're playing say a Portland State or a Western but that extra coaching isn't there and so you're just watching wasted talent and you can see it in in the athlete's face and their mannerisms like hey man I'm good and I'm good enough and I want to learn but we're we're a run first offense and I'm a six foot four receiver that can run a four four throw me the ball oh oh we're running it again cool. So. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, especially in high school where where you'll see teams literally they're still running the wishbone, the three back sets, and you're right, you, you see him out there, the six six receiver, you're just like, holy crap, that kid, he he's just got all the the physical tools, but that's not part of the game plan. And when you think about the high school level, you're wondering who are these coaches, right? There's there, very few of these schools actually have true real coaches that can maturate players. Um, from a freshman to a senior most of these schools they're just guys right there's there's a lot of guys at these schools not not very many of them have the ability to bring back um, high profile uh, players that played at high levels in college and in the NFL there are a few in the state but that's few far between I know um, 
you know, like the the teams where the talent prevail, those teams are teams typically where they're not very good. They get a good quarterback, maybe a good running back that came up together and uh, um, through middle school and high school, and they're good for a year or two. And then they're back to not being good because the coaching isn't there. That That's a talent thing. And that that is the issue, I think, in Portland is every time I looked around at a lot of these schools, I was wondering, who are these coaches and do they have any business being like, like teaching the game of football? And but where are you supposed to get them at the high high school level from? Because I, I think most of them they are going to these AAU levels and, and they're finding other ways, avenues to get to bigger, better places um, than coaching at the high school level. Well, speaking of some bigger, better places, a uh, couple of our in-state schools have a few big games that are coming up here in just a few, or a couple big games that are coming up here in just. A couple of weeks from a school that recruits well to a school that hasn't recruited as well over the past little bit. But we'll talk about their prospects coming up next right here on The Fan. Weekends were made for sports. This is Sports Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. 917 on your Sunday morning. First, I gotta I gotta say this too. Man, happy birthday to my beautiful mom. Uh I'm not gonna tell everyone how old she is, but it's up there. And uh today I'm pretty sure she's just chilling right now. She's probably getting ready for church uh with my sister. So uh mom, if you're listening, which I'm almost positive you're not, uh happy birthday and I hope you have a, an awesome, uh awesome day. And and shout out to every anybody else that has a birthday shout out to all the leos out there um you're stubborn but we love you anyway you know what i mean so what's your what's your sign Tyler? i'm a taurus hi right highest of fives when's your birthday may 2nd may 5th may 6th there it is Look man go taurus is run the <laughs> yeah the special taurus edition of uh sports sunday but um there we are officially three weeks away from actual football starting uh, college football starts in three weeks, and, you know, here in the state of Oregon, uh, we're starting off with the bang. Uh, Oregon State will take on Oklahoma State. Yikes. And the University of Oregon will take on Auburn. And what's kind of become a bit of a, I don't want to call it a rivalry because one side actually has to win a couple games to make it a rivalry, but it's become a really intriguing kind of storyline between uh, these two teams. But we're going to go ahead and start with Oregon State. Uh, because everybody thinks we hate Oregon State. That's not the truth. We have a lot of love for for the Beavers. It's just that when you're, you're, you're little brother right now, you've been little brother for a little bit. Oregon went through its its slump where they won, you know, four games and five games, and now they're at a point to where they're winning eight, possibly winning the Pac-12 this year. But Oregon State just hasn't been able to, to pick it up, you know, really since, well, I would say it was well before Gary Anderson, you know, kind of stepped in. I think Gary Anderson came, and here's this kind of big-name coach from a, a from a, a big-name program who's going to come into Corvallis and turn things around. And, you know, what's the fart sound they use on primetime all the time? That's what that's what it was for Gary Anderson and yeah. the Beavs. And Jonathan Smith, he's came in, and it looks like he said all the right things. Last year, the Beavers weren't awesome. They went 2-10 and 10 last year. But still, there was this overall optimism. 
from a lot of Beaver fans. The year prior to that, I think they won three games, and still there was this. They won one. They won one. They won Excuse one. me. They won <laughs> one game. So at least two games is an improvement if yes. you're going to go like that. But, yeah, and still there's been this overall optimism from a lot of Beaver fans that I met. When I was at the Winco Foods Open, I met so many Beaver fans that were asking about uh, Oregon State football and how we think they're going to do, and a lot of them weren't super excited with the overall answers. However, I think a lot of us think that the Beavers are going to be good at some point. It sounds like Jonathan Smith is trying to do all the right things, and once they get new facilities, maybe things will be different. But as far as this game against Oklahoma State, who by all accounts is a is – a, let's call them a middle-of-the-road Big 12 team. Can we do that? Is that is that fair? That's fair. To kind of say that? Middle-of-the-road Big 12 team. That's fair. Oregon State has a huge opportunity to – eke out a, a big win to start their season. Do you think that Oregon State has any chance of going of beating Oklahoma State? I believe the game is at Cor- in Corvallis too. Yeah, um, in my opinion, no. Um, they'll they'll be able to compete during warmups. I mean, that'll be a good good watch. Um, once the ball's kicked off, though, uh, it's it's going to be over quickly. I'm, I mean, I I, I, just, I don't know if it'll be over quickly. Oregon State has a tendency to kind of try to hang in games for a little bit. You remember that Ohio State game for a little bit, they hung in there, and then they just blew it out of the water within like the maybe the middle of the second quarter. So they tried to make it interesting. And the one thing I can say about Oregon State last year, um, they were able to move the ball at points. Like yeah. it wasn't – now, mind you, they didn't win any games or win a lot of games doing it. But when they were able to move the ball, you saw that, okay, this could be something. You the, the, this Moving forward, you might have – a, a little bit of juice there in their offense. So can they sustain it? Because towards the end of the season, they kind of fell off. But at the beginning of the season, they were putting up, you know, close to 30 points a game. Now, mind you, the teams they were playing were putting up much more. But right. they were still, you know, putting up pretty decent numbers for the Beavers. What, did, in your opinion, what do you think the Beavs got to do to, you know, make a splash in the year? Play defense, 100%. They have to play defense. Their offense is going to be good. They, I mean, they got Jamar Jefferson. He's fantastic. Uh, the que- I got questions at quarterback. Uh, I'm not sold on, on Luton at all. Um, but who knows? He could, he could surprise everybody. But, I, you know, it, if they can tackle, uh, I think they could be serviceable and maybe pull out a 500 season. That's, that's a stretch. But if they can play defense, their offense will keep them in it. Ooh, 500 seasons. Okay, so to go 500, that means they have – Let's see. We had all huge take. One, two, three, four, five. Okay, 12 games on the season. So right. that would mean um, let's, we can go through the schedule. They're going to play Oklahoma State. I think we can both agree that they'll probably lose that game. Correct. They'll be at Hawaii, which is kind of a toss-up because Hawaii is one of those, you know, one of those teams that nobody really expects them to do anything. But every now and then they'll eke out a win. Right. But I'll say they beat Hawaii. Okay. Uh, I'll say they go two in, two in a row and they beat Cal Poly. If, if they don't? Well, no, goes that's, the that's, that's the season. That will tell you everything you know about the remainder of the season if they don't beat Cal Poly on September 14th. Then they'll play Stanford, which will be a loss. They'll play UCLA, which will be a loss. They'll play Utah, which will be a loss. Cal, which will probably be a loss. Arizona, which... Uh, well, it, that it, one's in Tucson. So. That one is in Tucson, so that we can go ahead and... I'm not going to write UCLA into the win column on that one. I, You're I not. Agree. You don't, th- agree. You don't yeah. think Chip Kelly and no, company I, is, I, is ready? I... Not that I don't think he's right. I just I I don't think that that's not going to be a good enough game where Oregon State can't steal it. 
Okay. I, I, I'm when you kinda... go through their Pac-12 schedule, there's a lot of losses. There are a lot there of losses, lot. but I think that's one that you can't just chalk up as a loss. Okay. I so you think it's more likely that they beat Cal than they beat UCLA, or you think more more likely UCLA is their win as opposed to Cal? Yeah, I I have a lot of faith in Wilcox. Okay. No faith in Chip Kelly. And, and no, I, I I think Chip Kelly needs to get his guys there. There was none of his type of guys right. there when he took over UCLA. Right. That's one of the reasons why they were so bad. And so, yeah, no, he needs to get his guys. We've seen Chip run offenses that aren't like when when he lost Masoli and and Thomas and you know you had to start using more prototypical quarterbacks like he's has in UCLA. That that's when his offenses didn't look great. So, yeah, no, I think UCLA still has growing pains to deal with. And I think that's a winnable game. Okay. Uh, Arizona, which I think will go to the to the Wildcats. Yeah. Uh, they play the Huskies. Obviously, Huskies. Arizona State, uh, under second year, under Herm Edwards, looks like they could be kind of on that uptick, you know, as far as uh, teams that kind of came out of nowhere last year. I don't think anybody expected Arizona State to be as competitive as they actually were. And then they ended up being, you know, relatively competitive for the year. Washington State, not going to beat Mike Lynch and company. And then, or it's Mike Lynch, Mike Leach <laughs> and company. Definitely can beat Mike Lynch. So but is that why Mike Lynch isn't here? He's yes, he's, re- he's, re- he's getting ready for, for the season at Washington State. And then, of course, the uh, annual Civil War game, which I believe the Ducks. Uh, will win that. So in in that whole thing, I'm looking at possibly three wins, four hey, wins. That's an improvement. It is an improvement. But at what point, if you're Oregon State, do you say, man, damn, these three wins, we won a bowl game? You know, I think that's the goal right now. But if you go another season with just three wins, like how long, how hot is Jonathan seats or Jonathan Smith's seat? I, I I don't know if it's hot, like because you you have to give you know someone at least a little bit of time. But then again, we're what we're in the society of win now. So I think if you don't win now, then you're gone. And when you look around and you see the the fact that Utah is projected to win the Pac-12, uh, when you see it, there are a lot of people that have a lot of faith in Wilcox and what they're doing in Cal. Uh, obviously, the the Huskies are the Huskies, and you know at some point Chris Peterson and company they'll they'll be back. Last year, nobody expected to see uh, Herm Edwards and the Sun Devils be exactly where they were. There's a lot of competition in the Pac-12. I know nationally we not we like to think that the Pac-12 is kind of the doormat of college football, but when you look at a schedule, if you're Oregon State and you look at the schedule, man, that sucks because most of it is, you know, these are teams that are much more competitive than you and they're it's, it's you're going to you're going to be beat in in most cases. So I'm going to say that Oregon State gets three wins on the season. I'm hoping for more. Like I would absolutely love for them to win six games and go to a bowl game. I think that would be great. Growing up here in Oregon, I can tell you this city, this state is much better when both teams are good. Uh, last time I went to a bowl game, 2013. It's been a while. I, I, so long ago. I don't think six games is in their realm, but I, I think honestly, you their their goal should be. I think you you need to make realistic goals, right? This isn't the NFL. You 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 don't like sign a couple huge players and and you go from a one of the worst teams in the NFL to the best playoff teams the next year. It just that doesn't happen in college football because you need the talent. Uh, Oregon State needs to make that goal. We need to try to get two Pac-12 wins this year. I got. I think. Good call. I got two a question wins. for you guys. I got a question for you guys, and we'll we'll move on with this one. Who are, who are the Beavers most likely to upset this season? Will it be Stanford, Utah, 
or the Ducks? Who who's most likely to take an L for the, those three teams? You know, all three of which are I think are considered teams that could win the Pac-12. Which of those three teams is Oregon State most likely to upset? I'll go with the Stanford one because it's in Corvallis, and if they're on a two-game winning streak, they may may have all the momentum going into that game. I also want to say Stanford in Corvallis early in the season. Yes. Yeah. Um, you know, once you start getting later in that season, the losses start stacking up. The the wins just kind of start getting harder and harder. And guess what? Oregon has them last game of the year. Yep. All right, then. You heard it here first. Oregon State's going to beat Stanford. Okay, coming up next, <laughs> the Ducks have a pretty important game against an old rival or old foe, I should say. How are they going to fare in that game? We'll talk about that next. But first, Jesse at SportsCenter. Weekend sports with a difference. This is Sports Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. Back with the hot beats right here on 1080 The Fan. Portland sports leader. I've never actually said that. I hear it all the time. But we are indeed the sports leader. Is that still correct, Jesse? It should be. Yeah. I'm saying it anyway. So if even Yeah, if we, not, we got all of them ratings. Yeah, all of them. <laughs> Boom. Take that. Uh, speaking of ratings, man, I think this is going to be a ratings monster because on August 31st at 4.30 p.m. on America's Broadcasting Channel Company. Is it Channel? ABC? American Broadcasting Channel? Yes. Well, they're owned by Disney. I'll look it so. up. Yeah. So on the Disney Channel, <laughs> you'll see <laughs> the Auburn Tigers visit or not visit. Well, they're playing the home team, and it's going to be a tech. Is it going to be Cowboy Stadium? Yeah. Cowboy the, Stadium. The Jerry World. Jerry World versus the University of Oregon. Now, the last time these two teams met, uh, it didn't work out as well for the Ducks. Uh, was that the last time they played? Was it the national championship game, Jesse? No, I'm sure they played after that. Auburn and Oregon? Yes. No, I don't think so. They haven't played since the national championship. No, it's not no. like we played SEC a lot. I would have. I thought they would have played them at least once since no. then. No, it's the SEC, man. They don't. Huh. They don't I think s- we played Tennessee. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. That that's the one, man. And you, I think you guys all know my Tennessee Volunteers story. Not a fan of the Vols. Never will be a fan of the Vols. I'm not a big fan of Rocky Top. So, uh, but I am kind of a fan of the Ducks. Not as big as. Mr. Tyler Lively, who is a U of O alumni, correct? Yes. Okay. Uh, now, I went to the Auburn game. Some they have some of the nicest fans ever. I can imagine nicest fans ever. You would think they're all rude. I think that's the the Bama fans. I could see that. I could see that. I could see Auburn being a little more laid back and everything. But you know, it's it's Alabama. They're still going to be. Better than, you know, better than the Northwest as far as football is concerned. So it would make sense if they were kind of jerks, you know, during the game. I would I would totally understand right. that. As a fan during the games, like, we don't have to be nice to each other. Like, no. I can see, hey, what's up, man? Because I want to beat you. I want you to be as sad as possible after this game, especially if it's a national championship game uh, like the Ducks played uh, against Auburn. But we all know how that game turned out. If that is indeed the last time they played, we all know how that game turned out. Cam Newton and the Auburn Tigers – 
end up hoisting the national championship after the game, after a really valiant effort by the Ducks. Like, you know, they they put up a hell of a fight in that game. I do remember that. I do remember not being blown out by or, Auburn. Or lost by a field goal. Yeah, it was it was a field goal. And really that if Darren Thomas doesn't fake the handoff to LaMichael James and just gives it to him, then the Ducks may win that game. I'm pretty sure that they uh, that they win that game. But they'll have an opportunity for redemption because coming into this game, this looks a little bit different than we're used to seeing because on the one side, last time we talked about this, Auburn was the one with the big offensive line. Auburn was the one with the big defensive front. Like that was the, the storyline going into the game. And then they had the Heisman winning quarterback. Now you kind of flip the script a little bit, and Oregon probably doesn't have the defensive front that Auburn had, but you're looking at arguably uh, the top one or two offensive line in the entire country and then also arguably the best quarterback in the country. And whenever you have a great offensive line and whenever you have the best quarterback, the chances of you winning that game are, I'm not going to say astronomical, but – Typically, teams with the best offensive line and best quarterbacks don't lose games. Agreed. Um, but my question is, who is Herbert throwing to? Like, that is that is the question. Because last year, it was Dylan Mitchell all day, every day. This year, who does he throw to? Uh, hopefully, somebody with hands. Um, I'm assuming maybe his brother. He's just going to keep throwing to his brother. Every, like, even yeah. if, if he even gets on the field, because he's a freshman. But, um, no, I that that's my big question, too, because that is – I think you see the talent on the defensive side. There's some depth issues, but I think at the starting positions, you kind of see talent across the board, and you see it at the running back position. You obviously see it at the quarterback position. you got the best line in the nation, basically. You have a huge question mark about who's catching that ball, especially based on the confidence of last year, where if you weren't throwing it to Dylan Mitchell, it was a 50-50 shot if it was going to be caught if it was put on the money. Right. And that's, yeah, yeah, that's, that's a huge question mark. Well, the one thing you can say about whomever they're throwing the ball to is there's there are no sort shortage of, of big receivers for the Ducks right now. Right. As, I, as I look at the roster, uh, all the, I mean, six foot five, Ryan Addison, six foot three, Kyle Buckner, six foot one, Isaiah Crocker, uh, six foot two, Tevin uh, Genus. Like, you're looking at guys that uh, are going to be big targets for Justin Herbert. Now, who that game breaker is going to be, I think that's the biggest question for me. You know, if you look at the Oregon offense, going dating all the way back to uh, the early Chip Kelly days, man, there's always been this game breaker. There's always been a guy that you can get the ball to, be it Jeff Mayo or be it uh, DeAnthony, uh, DeAnthony Thomas, somebody you can get the ball to and say, go do something for me. Go make something happen. I'm curious of who that is now because you look around and you don't see the dynamic running back that you're used to seeing. Like, you, while you do have good ones, uh, you don't see anybody that's incredibly dynamic. There is no Michael James, you know, for your offense. You know, there is uh, no Kenyon Barner or anything. So I'm curious to to know who's going to be the guy to step forward and who's going to be the guy because every all these guys are just going to come out of the shadows because at this point, like you said, who's he, who's he going to throw to? Nobody knows anything about anybody on this team yet. Yeah, outside uh, of what we've learned from spring ball and stuff. Uh, but then again, that's, that's very just, little. That's just spring ball. Yes. Um, I think honestly even though C.J. Verdell is probably going to get the starting, I think Travis Dye ends up leading the team in rushing yards. Um, that that kid's a monster, and uh, he just doesn't stop. No, Travis Dye uh, came out last year and showed uh, that he could be incredibly effective. But C.J. Verdell, you know, 
you got to give the is he a sophomore this year, correct? CJ, I want to say, yeah, I think everyone's a sophomore in the running back he, position. He is a sophomore, you know, and mind you, uh, CJ Verdell, if, if he can hold on to the ball last year, I think it was against Stanford, the fumble game, yeah. then they win that game. You know, it's, it's just kind of one of those things. If he can just run out of bounds, which was a which was a freshman move, which was a rookie mistake, whatever you want to call it, you know, but, you know, that happens for them, and the Ducks win nine games. You're talking about a much different season going into this, this, uh, this upcoming right. year. I mean, he doesn't fumble. We beat Stanford, and I, but I, I honestly don't think that's the that's the end all be all of that game. No, there um, were some things that happened in that game, but I think no. that's the thing that we pointed. <laughs> that was the last thing that happened for the Ducks, so that's the one that sticks out in your memory the most. It's like if somebody you know caused a turnover, airballed a three pointer, like with a couple seconds left. They might have done everything else right during that game, but that's the mistake that we're going to talk about because if. Eventually, it ended up losing them the game. Well, right. and I'll go back to that conversation. We we had this conversation last year after the game. It, I I put that more on the coaches than anything because you have a young freshman player out there that you know all he wants to do is make the big play because that's I mean, the this is the biggest game he's ever been in, right? Yeah. And it's up to the coach to be like to to get these guys to understand where they are and that the most important thing is you get that first down. You don't need the extra whatever you know just just get the first down and they didn't do that as far as i know they didn't do that and that that's just at that level at the at the professional level that's on the player at this level where kids are still learning how to be big time football players that's a moment where the coaches need to come in and it's a growing pain for a coach right there because it was a young coaching staff that you need to take these guys aside and let them and really Get them to understand the moment that they're in. So, quick question. I know we have to break because we got to get ready to go to commercial. But uh, give me a quick score uh, for this game, Jesse. Uh, quick score for which game? Oregon Oregon versus Auburn. Oh, God. Um, uh, I, I'm, I'm thinking this is probably going to be like um, – I, I do think Oregon's going to get it. It's going to be weird. Something like 33-28. 33-28? Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go 27-17 Ducks. I'm going to go 21-17 Ducks. That's probably more realistic based on their, their offensive performance in the last game of the season yeah. last year. but That was a great one. Although it should be noted that, again, the Oregon Ducks were second in scoring in the Pac-12 last year. Second. Now, mind you, you say whatever you want about a Royal and his play calling, the Oregon Ducks number two last year in scoring in this incredibly scoring Pac-12. Okay, coming up next, man. Uh, huh. What do you want to talk? You want to talk little basketball? You want to go foot, say football? What do you want to do? I'm open. Let's just do this thing. We'll figure it out when we come back from commercial. That's next on The Fan. Weekends were made for sports. This is Sports Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. Eminem till I collapse playing uh, uh under, you know underrated you know no this is this any Eminem beats are they're all the same like if Eminem is doing production like they all sound just like this the same clap the same you know kind of dreary sounding sounding beat all Eminem's beats are always sad you know for whatever reason so uh yeah that's just my 
Some of his songs are sad. Most of his songs are (laughs) hella sad. Like Eminem, I'm glad that he's he's finally getting back to rapping and getting back to, you know, doing what he's good at because that whole emo Eminem, like, that he was going through for a while when he changed his hair uh, back from blonde, like, it wasn't. Not not my not his best moment, but now that he's making he has a, a record with Logic. I don't know if you've heard it, man. Awesome. I haven't yet. Absolutely, it's it's a great the video. Is pretty cool too. Um, all right, man. We're so okay. We've been doing these division previews. Season starts in about four weeks, right around there. Uh, we are officially in week two of the preseason or week one of the preseason. Yeah, they just finished yeah, week, week one. Week one of the preseason, yeah. so moving on to week two. Um. Couple high high points for a lot of teams. I think people were exp- impressed with what they saw from Kyler Murray for a bit. Uh, I think people were impressed with what they saw from the Browns. Uh, I think obviously, man, people like what the what the Seahawks were were able to do this past weekend. But it's all preseason. And it's all preseason. You never know. Like the Patriots went zero and four in a couple of preseasons and then end up winning the Super Bowl. So let you they'll just let you know the preseason is just it's a it's a nice tuning event for uh, for guys who you know want to get ready for the season, and it's really for the guys who are trying to make a roster. And, and likewise, uh, the Cleveland Browns have won the preseason a many a uh, time. A few times, 4-0. Yeah. 4-0. <laughs> so let's just keep that in, in, in mind. But uh, speaking of the Cleveland Browns, we're going to do go ahead and do the uh, AFC North. And we might as well do NFC North. We can try to squeeze them both, both into this, uh, this segment. We're going to start with the North because I believe that's the most interesting uh, division of the, of the two. Uh, the reason it's so interesting, and we'll just go ahead and start with them, is the Cleveland Browns. All of a sudden, they are football's darlings. Everybody wants to see the Browns play. Everybody wants a Baker Mayfield or Odell Beckham Jr. jersey. Everybody's on the bandwagon. Do you think we're jumping the gun a little bit? I personally think that the Cleveland Browns is justified. They've had enough number one picks, and they've been able to build their defense and been able to build their line and been able to do some of the things they've been able to do I think this is finally the year that the Cleveland Browns take that step forward and make the playoffs and possibly even try to make a playoff run. I don't know if they'll make a run, but making the playoffs this year is, I think, something that's definitely in the wheelhouse for the Cleveland Browns. Yeah, I definitely agree, Um, especially when you have a Baker Mayfield as your quarterback. That dude's exciting, and he makes people want to watch. Unless you're Colin Cowherd, then you don't want to watch him. No, yeah, Baker, you can't can't lie, man. There's There's something about Baker Mayfield that he's just... Interesting. He's kind of a bit of a jerk, but a jerk that you kind of want to hang out with and pick his brain and see what he's thinking about just a little bit, man. So, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I like the – I kind of like the swag of Baker Mayfield. You know, he just kind of – he doesn't care. He doesn't really – you know, he is who he is, and you can accept it or or not. And it seems like his teammates are, are really feeding off of that. Well, one of which uh, is – we mentioned him here a bit ago, man, Odell Beckham Jr., your offense changes a lot when you add, in my opinion, the best receiver in football. I know everybody wants to give Deshaun Hopkins or uh, excuse me, uh, DeAndre Hopkins that that title, and I, I mean that'd be a really tough argument to say that he doesn't deserve the title of the best wide receiver, especially if you look at the hodgepodge of quarterbacks that he's had up until up until Deshaun Watson. Yeah, they've, they've, he's he's been awesome, but Odell Beckham Jr. has played with Eli Manning for the past four years of his career, a team that's not going to move the ball, the team that Eli Manning can't throw the ball from me to you. And for, <laughs> and Odell Beckham continues to make plays and continues to wow and everything. So I think he's a guy that if you, you inject him and his dancing and his personality and his everything into this Cleveland um, 
more than their offense, but into this Cleveland culture, I think the Browns are, got, are set up to do something special over the next few years. I think the talent's there, but I think the word that you just used is what I'm most worried about, and that's the culture within Cleveland. You have a guy in Freddie Kitchens who has never been there. He's never done that before, and he's got some of the biggest personalities, most charismatic personalities in the league on his roster, and he's got to find a way to not just come up with a winning game plan from week to week to week. He's got to find a way to manage those those egos and and beyond that it's not just Odell Beckham you got to figure out okay how am I going to get Nick Chubb uh the ball how am I going to get David Njoku the ball how am I going to get like uh Jarvis Landry the ball and uh, you know just keep on going Odell Beckham you know they, they have a lot of talent they have a there. lot of weapons and when one of those mouths stops getting fed it starts really getting loud so I, I guess the thing that the kind of I'm not gonna say it it doesn't really concern me in that in that instance is because uh, who is Odell Beckham Jr.'s, I don't call him best friend, but incredibly close friend, Jarvis Landry, you know, somebody who played he played in college with. And if you remember in college, Odell was, Jarvis was the possession guy. You know, get the ball to Jarvis, he's going to make sure he, do, Odell was the exciting, you know, he's going to get you a touchdown. You throw it deep, man, he's got you from there. So that was kind of the, expect to see Jarvis get a lot of of looks just because he's been in the offense he knows where to be he knows exactly what he's supposed to do he has a rapport already so I I do expect there to be maybe a learning curve at first because when you have a player like Odell Beckham when you have a player like Julio Jones when you got somebody like uh, uh, Antonio Brown you want the ball in their hands like you 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 try your you try your hardest if you're a quarterback to put the ball in their hands because you know how exciting they will be once they get it I just think at this point for a young Baker Mayfield, he just has to figure out how to divvy it up. Talk to Peyton Manning. Talk to some of these guys that, man, made a career of making sure everybody on his team eats, making sure everybody on his team uh, uh, gets an opportunity. Remember, Peyton Manning also came into the league, or excuse me, a few years into the league, and he had a bevy of of great weapons. You know, the Edron James and the Marvin Harrisons. And who's the other receiver on the other side of Marvin Harrison? I can't, Reggie I can't Wayne. remember. Reggie Wayne. You know, just a... a, a a, a list of guys that are just awesome. But Peyton made it, man, you're going to go to the Pro Bowl, and you're going to go Peyton to the Pro Bowl. Also, yeah, and Peyton also um, elevated a lot of the players around him. Pierre Gerson was never the same player after he left Peyton Manning. Um, Brandon Stokely was a great player with, with Peyton Manning, really kind of an average slot receiver after that. He did a great job of elevating all of the guys around him. Adai was a great running back with Peyton Manning mm-hmm. um it wasn't it, it, and that's the special thing now now not to say that I I'm one of the biggest Baker Mayfield fans that you'll you'll meet as far as I think the guy's a winner and that's one of those intangibles that you can't quantify and put on a stat sheet is does this guy just flat out win and and that's one of the things he does At the same time he's young He's got an ego. He's still learning how to navigate being a leader within the NFL amongst a bunch of professionals that have been there, done that. And then at the same time, you have all the other intangibles of a young coaching staff that it doesn't sound like necessarily they're all eye to eye on the way that they see how to do things, especially the more of these assistants that come out and say, hey, this is how it really was last year. There are a lot of question marks in Cleveland. The talent, not a question mark. There is no. undoubtedly a bevy of talent. If you're questioning that, then you you clearly don't watch football. But the other, the only other team I want to talk about in this specific division uh, is the only one that deserves us to talk about them, and that's the Pittsburgh Steelers. 
Uh, last year, Ben Roethlisberger statistically had the best year of his career. If you look at the numbers, he threw more touchdowns than he's ever thrown. He's thrown more yards than, he has ever, than he's ever thrown. Didn't make it to the playoffs, but statistically, Big Ben has never been better in his career than he was last year. Right. That being said, you lose a player like Antonio Brown. Um, you lose a Le'Veon Bell for sure this time. I'm not sure if if and we've know we all known all the problems that have been going on with Pittsburgh for the past few years. Just really kind of more than anything an undisciplined team. Honestly, I don't know if we've seen. I think we might have seen the best of Mike Tom. This you know version of Mike Tomlin and the Pittsburgh Steelers. I honestly think moving forward, this will be the Cleveland Browns division. Uh, to hang on to unless they do something really stupid. I mean, could could they, the Steelers, that is, could they end up running almost like how the, the Patriots did years ago where it was a, a tight end heavy, we're just going to use multiple running backs. I mean, they do, now granted, James Conner's on the team, so that's a little different. Um, but if you run it like that, you have a chance to win that division. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think you... You, yeah, the Steelers still have a, a solid chance to win. The defense is is solid. It's it's, it's a top fifteen defense. You you still have Ben Roethlisberger, who's still a top ten. I'm not gonna put him in the top five, but he's a top ten quarterback. You still got a guy in Juju Smith-Schuster. Guess what? He caught more balls than Antonio Brown did last year. He had more receiving yards than Antonio Brown did last year. So you have a guy there. You have a guy in. Um, James Conner, then you got a really like Jalen Samuels, who's great at catching the ball out of the backfield as well. So that you might start seeing things like, oh, the, well, we're going to throw Vance McDonald out there. We're going to have Samuels and Conner out there at the same time and start being a little bit more creative with their formations since that wide receiving position is a little bit thinner. But James Washington's supposed to take that that step in his second year and didn't have a lot of opportunity last year. Um, I. And honestly, it's just it's the consistency of, of the cult of the culture of the Steelers. They've they've been a winning culture for a very long time, and that's just something that's very hard to establish in the NFL. And when you look at the rest of the league, I mean, I I honestly, it's still hard for me to put Cleveland over Baltimore for that same reason. Baltimore's a winning culture. I don't know how they do it every year because honestly, I I I look at that roster and I go, man, I mean, I just don't I don't see it. But they make it happen every year. You got you got the coach, you got the culture, and, and they make it happen. Um, and and honestly, Harbaugh, he he changes things up. He's a great coach. Yep. Uh, and then there's the NFC North, which uh, you've got a bunch of teams there that I think people are interested in, but not really. It's the Bears and Mitch Trubisky, and it's the Lions, Matt Stafford, Aaron Rodgers, and the Packers, and. Uh, Who's the is a Kirk Cousins and yeah, Minnesota. <laughs> so let's just go ahead on three and all of us just collectively say who's going to win the NFC North. One, two, three. Bears. Packers. Jesse, you didn't do it. Let's try again. All right. One, sorry. two, three. Bears. Bears. Okay. Oh, yeah. I'm different. Yeah, I know you are. <laughs> yeah. No, I. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so you said Packers as well? Yeah. No, I said Bears. You said Bears. Yeah, I said I'm the odd one out here. I said Bears as well. Uh, I think Chicago just they've they've got more. The last year that was the, the step forward they needed. If Mitch Trubisky, Mitchell, excuse me, can decide to take that next step forward as a quarterback, I think the Bears are going to be a tough a tough out for anybody. Don't oh. undersell Minnesota though. There's still a ton of talent in Minnesota. You, and you have love Kirkers. You have Kirk uh, yes. Cousins, who uh, honestly, like, granted, uh, the reason I leave them out of that is he has yet to prove he can win a big game, but he has. 
probably the top tandem of wide receivers in that division. You have a top tier running back if he can stay healthy and cook. I mean, they're, they're uh, Rudolph's there. They just extended him in the off season. I, I, there's a lot to like there. I think the defense is not bad. I, mean, I, don't, I don't think it's a top tier defense, but it's, it's not bad. So I, I think that's another team that could jump up and, and surprise people. But I, I, Chicago, despite the fact losing Fangio on defense and, you know, I, I think that that team is it's young, it's hungry and it, and it's ready to win right now. Well, there you go. That's your NFC North and uh, <laughs> AFC North uh, division-ish Real for the upcoming year. Okay, coming up next, uh, who are the most talented athletes? We always get into the best rapper, best rapping basketball player, football player, whatever. I want to know, who are the most talented athletes out there? Dame Dalla just dropped the album, which everybody seems to love, including me. We're going to talk about that next on The Fan. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.